Welcome to the From God to Us podcast, where we discuss biblical subjects and biblical topics that answer questions about God, the Bible, people, life, and cultural issues with application for daily living. Today, we're in our third session in our current study on how we got the Bible, where we discuss the Bible's accuracy and the Bible's authority for us today. Today, the subject is the canon of the Old Testament. A few years ago, I had a friend who was talking to me about uh, religion. He had been raised in the church, particularly the Catholic Church, but had left that and rejected that. He was somewhat of an atheist, although he maybe more of an agnostic where he agreed that maybe there was a God. But we were talking about the Bible, and his comment was, Gee, wouldn't it be great if you had all the books of the Bible? In other words, he believed that there were many books of the Bible that had been left out, that the church had intentionally left out because they didn't like some of the content, and that we really didn't have all the information that we needed in order to understand what there could be known about God if there was a God. This is a common idea, a common belief is that the church has intentionally left out a lot of information that needs to be in there so we can get the real picture of truth and of life. A few years earlier, my father and I were talking about the Bible, and I referred to the Bible's authority as God's Word, and his response was, well, those people who wrote down the Bible just said it was God's Word. It didn't really mean that it's God's Word. Well, he has a point to some degree. Just because someone says this is God's Word does not necessarily make it God's Word. So this brings into question, how do we know that the books of the Bible truly are God's Word, God's inspired Word, God's authoritative Word? We looked at the inspiration of the Scripture and the authority of the Scripture in our first two sessions, but how do we know we have the right books? Well, this brings up the subject of the canon of Scripture, and again today we're looking primarily at the idea of canon and what that means for the Old Testament. So let's look at what we mean by the canon of Scripture. The word canon comes from the Greek, Greek word kanon and means rod or ruler. It's related to a Hebrew word which means reed or measuring rod. The word is found in Galatians 6.16 in the New Testament, which refers to some kind of rule that someone makes. In early Christian usage, the word canon came to mean the, a rule of faith. This is the things we believe, the rule of faith. It, but it also referred to the authoritative scriptures, the Bible. As it is related to the Bible, canon meant a rule of standard by which the writings were judged to be inspired or authoritative. In other words, this is the rule, this is the standard by which we judge the books of the Bible. It also came to mean a list of books that are given by God and have divine authority regarding truth in life. In other words, the list of books in the Old Testament, the list of books in the New Testament are known as the canon of scriptures. And they are referred to as the scripture, sometimes the holy scriptures, or more generally, the Bible. One thing to remember about this idea of canon of scripture is we believe that the canon of Scripture is determined by God, not by men. And what we mean by that is that a book 
first has divine authority based on its inspiration and then attains canonicity due to its acceptance as a divine book. Uh, We understand and believe that neither Israel nor the church can give a book its authority. The books possess their authority because they come from God. Geisler and Nix, in their book, From God to Us, put it this way, The books of the Bible are not considered God-given because they are found to have value in them. They are valuable because they are given by God, the source of all value. So we understand that the book, if it's given by God, this book has authority to speak for God, to give us information about who God is, about who mankind is, and how we might know him. And it's the role of God's people then to recognize the canon, not to choose the books that they prefer. God's people do not give the books their authority. They are authoritative because they are given by God. So then how do we know which books are authoritative, which books are given by God? Regarding the Old Testament, there was a standard used for Uh, measuring or judging which books were believed to be the Word of God, which were believed to be authoritative. And there are five questions, general questions with sub-questions, that were asked regarding these books so that they might be considered as part of the Bible or the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. The first question was, was it written by a prophet of God? A prophet was one who was understood to speak the message of God on God's behalf. We understood uh, in the inspiration when we talked about that in the last session that God's Holy Spirit moved in men. Uh, They understood the message and they spoke or wrote in their own style, yet they were inspired by God in such a way that what they spoke and wrote was God's message, God's word. So the book, first of all, should have been written by a recognized prophet. And then how did you know a prophet? Well, there was measurements to understand whether or not a person was a prophet. Did he meet the test of a prophet? A prophet predicted both near things and far things. And if he ever predicted something near that didn't come true, then he was known to be a false prophet. Did the prophecy and the teachings of this person align with other prophetic writings, those things that were already considered to be authoritative, but was it in line with that? It might be some new material, but there was also things that should align with the doctrine and the theology of that which has already been given. So the book must somehow bear the authority of God. The second thing was, did the writer have the credentials from God? And the reason we do this is because not every person was a recognized prophet. That is, they didn't have the office of prophet, but they must have at least the prophetic gift. Again, we learned in 2 Peter 1, 19-21, that the prophets were moved by God, by the Holy Spirit, so that they wrote down the Word of God. So the person must at least have some sense of prophetic gift. He may bear the title of a prophet, but he must also meet the qualifications of a prophet we just mentioned. Was there evidence that the person was inspired by God to write these words? And did the people ultimately recognize his writings as from God? So these first two tests were looking at the person and 
did they have some sense of that authority to speak for God? Thirdly, uh, did the book tell the truth about God, man, and the world? It's, did the book contain factual information about events? We, we see history. We know things that have happened. Did the book factually account for these things? Uh, did it contain correct teachings about God and man as compared to other recognized scriptures? Is, there, is it in line with those things we just, just mentioned? Is, is it telling the truth as we understand the truth today? Any factual or doctrinal error that was found in these books would cause the book to be rejected. The fourth thing was, did the book possess the life-transforming power of God? Were lives changed by the reading and the use of the book? Were people moved to action by the inspired word of God? Did it ultimately give people hope in God? Now we understand this is more subjective than the other requirements, but it, it doesn't stand by itself. It's just another layer laid upon top of the other things that we already asked. Can we see that there's some sense that this book is pointing us to God, is giving us hope, is inspiring us to be followers of God? And so that was part of one of the tests. And then the last question that was asked was, was it received and accepted by the people of God for whom it was originally written? Did the people eventually recognize the message of the book as being from God? We know that some of the prophets, maybe at first they didn't accept their words, but later when they saw that their words were true, these books were accepted as being from God because the man was a prophet of God. Did the people of God recognize the inspired word of God? If God gave his people a message, they must in some form accept it as from God. So when we take these tests and apply them to the various books of the Bible, particularly this is referring to the Old Testament, we test them to see, do they fit this, these standards of canonicity? And so what we believe, again, that God determined the authority of the books of the canon, but the people of God were called upon to recognize which books were authoritative and which were not. So ultimately, there were three steps in the canonization process. First, the book was inspired by God. God inspired someone to speak and then ultimately to write it down on his behalf in order to communicate to mankind. The people then, by putting these tests to each of the books, would recognize the book as authoritative. It was recognition by the people of God. And then thirdly, these books were collected into some kind of whole and preserved for the people of God. Not all Jewish literature was considered canonical by the believing community. There were books that were written, just like today. Many books are being written that teach us about the Bible or about the Christian life, but they're based on the Bible, and we do not consider these books as authoritative in the sense of Scripture. Another consideration to think about is that the New Testament makes reference to the Old Testament in many places. There are at least 800 quotations or references or allusions to the Old Testament in the New Testament. There are more than 200 direct quotations in the New Testament of the Old Testament. The New Testament itself affirms the authority and the accuracy of the Old Testament. So if we accept the New Testament, then we also accept the Old Testament. 
Jesus made multiple references to the Old Testament when he was on the earth, either direct quotations or references to passages. The Old Testament actually was Jesus' Bible. There was no New Testament for many years. Jesus read the Bible. He knew what the Bible said and many times quoted from the Bible. Final thing to consider is historical considerations that the Jewish community considered their Bible to be complete with Malachi. We call it the Old Testament. That's actually just the Jewish Bible. Josephus, the Jewish historian, referred to the current Old Testament as being complete. And then we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which we'll talk more about later when we talk about the text of the, New, of the Old Testament. But the Dead Sea Scrolls contain portions of almost all of the Old Testament books that we can verify that these books were part of the Bible, the Old Testament, or the Jewish Bible. Now, the arranging of the books of the Old Testament are a little bit different. The Jewish Bible has 22 books, but it's the same as the 39 books of our Old Testament. They're just arranged differently. Basically, uh, what we see, if you, I have this in your notes. If you've downloaded the notes, you can see how they are arranged differently. I won't go into great detail, but essentially you have some books that were combined. Judges and Ruth were combined, Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezra and Nehemiah. And all the 12 books of what we call the Minor Prophets were considered one book. And then, of course, there was Samuel, which was one book, not a first and second. Kings was one book. Chronicles was one book. This is basically how the, the Old Testament or the Jewish Bible has 22 books where we have 39 books, but it's the same books. So this is the process of canonization, the process of recognizing the books that belong in the Old Testament. Now, there's a whole history of this canonization process that you can read about in some of the books I recommended to you. I'm not going to go through all of that, but I wanted you to know the, the principles about how we determine if a book is authoritative, which a book that is given by God. Another issue or topic that I want to address in this session is a popular theory about the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, believed by the Jews to be written by Moses. And this is a popular theory among theologians, among Bible college teachers and seminary teachers that you need to be aware of in case you are introduced to it. But it's a theory that I believe calls into question the authority and the accuracy of these books. This theory is called the Documentary Hypothesis, or also known as the JEPD theory. It's a theory developed to attempt to explain how we got our current form of these first five books of the Bible. This theory claims that there were four separate documents, known as J, E, P, and D, that were passed down through the centuries, first by oral tradition and then later by written documents. These uh, documents, J, stands for Yahweh's material, E, for Exodus material, P, for priestly material, and D, for Deuteronomist material. These documents, it is believed, were later brought together by a redactor, or another word for that is an editor, and combined these together to create 
the form we have of the first five books. In other words, he took these four documents and weaved them together in a, in a manner such that what he produced was the five books that we have now. And so some commentators who believe in this will, as you read through Genesis, will tell you, well, this is J material, and this is E material, and this is P material, and this is D material. And so it is believed that the end result is that five books that each contain portions of these four document sources, as they are called. One of the reasons that this is accepted or brought about is that we find in Genesis 14, 14, the word Dan is mentioned. Well, Dan, the territory of Dan, was not created till much later. It didn't exist at that time that Genesis 14, 14 occurred. Also in Genesis 36, 31, there's a reference to this happened before there were any kings among the Israelite people. Well, the Israelite nation wasn't even formed at that time, and there was no kings. How could they know that there were Israelite had kings if it was written actually during the time of Genesis thirty six thirty one? So, anyway, these call into question when the books were written. That's the point behind these verses. It's believed that thus these stories or these accounts or a combination of traditions that are put together, and we cannot be certain of the accuracy of their content. What is believed is that there was a real Abraham, but the account of what he did in, in his life story is not completely accurate. Some of it might be accurate. Some of it might be just tradition. We don't know. This redactor just combined these stories to make this character Abraham. There was a character Moses, but the details of Moses' life, we can't be certain because all this was combined to create the stories about Moses and so forth and so on. So in the first five books, what you have, according to this theory, is some editor combined these materials and formed these books. Uh, it is believed by many that this person was inspired by God so that the first five books have inspiration in the sense that their message and lessons are inspired. But the content, the actual factual information, cannot be verified. Now, this I'm just giving you what this theory teaches. Now, this is a very short version of the theory. If you want to dig into it a whole lot more, there's a lot of people who believe in this and give you more reasons for why they believe it. But I would like to talk about reasons for why we should reject this hypothesis. The first is that if this theory is true, then the first five books of the Bible do not meet the requirements of canonicity. Then they shouldn't really be long in the Bible. They shouldn't be authoritative. They should be maybe some nice books to read, but we shouldn't count them in the Bible. They don't meet the, the these requirements. The second thing, and the major problem with this view, is that documents J, E, P, and D do not exist. That's right. We don't have these documents. What we have is the five books of the Bible completed, passed down to us through centuries in their current form, and we have them as they exist now. But we don't have J, E, P, and D. These are basically the imaginary creation of scholars. They just don't exist. Some people, it seems, would rather bring their own ingenuity and their own ability to reason and to think into light in these books rather than trust the revealed truth of God. 
Now, let's understand that scholarship and study and seminaries and all these places have their place in the church. They have their place in Christianity. I went to a seminary, loved the seminary training. But that's not scholarship when you take the Word of God and try to fit it into some hypothesis that has no factual foundation. And I think the problem with this theory is that it contributes to the questioning of the accuracy and the reliability of the first five books of the Bible. Then that causes us to question the rest of the reliability because the nation of Israel that comes in the rest of the books of the, of the Old Testament are based upon what happened in the first five. So everything is called into question in the Old Testament regarding its accuracy and reliability because of this hypothesis. In my view, there is really no good reason to accept it. We should accept the books of the Bible as they have been passed down to us. They are authoritative based upon the rules of canonicity that we talked about earlier. I believe, based upon these things, that the Bible, the Old Testament, truly is God's message to mankind. It doesn't mean that I understand everything in the Bible or understand all that it's teaching or sometimes don't have questions about the Old Testament. But I do believe it bears the message that God intended to bear for us today and it lays the foundation for the New Testament itself. Ultimately, the books of the Old Testament are God-given and are authoritative as Scripture. They are God's message to mankind and should be read and received as God's Word for us today. I would like to close this session in prayer. Father, I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. You have revealed yourself to us through the prophets, men and women of the Old Testament, people who wrote down your word and you've passed it on to us. We have it today and we have the ability to read it, to understand it, and to have your Holy Spirit guide us through it. I pray, Father, that you will affirm the accuracy and the authority of your word, particularly your Old Testament, in the hearts and lives of each and every person that's listening, and that we will take your word, read it, take it to heart, and allow it to change us from the inside out. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us and for the salvation that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.